meditation mind. Don't be a passive listener. Make lists of things you're going to go do. Like I wrote down her drop me a DM. I'm interested strategy to increase engagement. Awesome. She's still talking about the power of how you build these social communities. She's still using easy, simple things like webinars to get the message out. Um, I think her message at the beginning of speaking to people's feelings is so undervalued in the marketplace. So please make sure you take a bunch of notes. All right. With that, uh, I've got another just, I mean, can you all believe this? Has this been valuable? If you have loved this, give this round of applause for Influencer Summit. Wherever you're at, please comment down below. What have you learned today? Please share this post. Get your friends or your team involved by telling them, make sure they go to InfluencerSummit.com to get registered because these replays go away. And they need to be a registrant to be able to access these replays. So if you're just jumping in from some community right now and you're just joining us at Influencer Summit, make sure you register at InfluencerSummit.com. That way we can get you access to these replays over this next 72 hours because they, they, these speakers are bringing the fire. Um, obviously, they're friends and they're doing me a favor too, and I want them to be have, have a far and wide audience. But I also have to share, they've blown me away. I, I mean, the value yesterday was so, I was like entering today, I'm like, how are we going to be yesterday? And already I have just as many notes today as yesterday. And yesterday you're meeting people who started from scratch and built huge followings and huge businesses. And you're hearing them say all the same thing of believing in yourself, of trying, of testing, of being dedicated, of focusing on one person, one platform, caring about what you're doing, getting better, keep learning. These things are universal themes, but I know how easy it can be to be discouraged, to feel like, oh, no one liked my post or no one downloaded my podcast or no one, you know, read this article or this blog thing that I did. And so your ability to be consistent over a period of time, despite your doubt, to be consistent and disciplined despite the discouragement, that's how you get on an influencer summit like this. That's how you become one of these folks who are crushing it out there. It is an unbelievable level of dedication and discipline to keep showing up and keep honing your craft and keep putting it out there. And our next speaker, he's done that like very few in our industry. I mean, he, he just he just keeps doing it. And he's been out here like he, he's he's somebody I admire for his consistency, for the value he brings to the marketplace, for the, uh, a single mindedness to help people find greatness. And that means in the Influencer Summit house we have here as our next speaker joining us, founder of the School of Greatness podcast, Mr. Lewis Howes is in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a round of applause. Let's go, Lewis. Good to see you guys. Are you here, buddy? What's up, Brendan? Hey. How you doing? <laughs> oh, man. This is the first time I've introduced you in years that we didn't run up and jump on the stage and you knocked me over. Exactly. We, we usually do a, a run jumping chest bump and then I'm twice the size of Brendan and I knock him over. But uh, he's, he's a much bigger dude than me and he's not kidding. I mean, the first time he did this, he said, we'll do this. I said, OK. So I run up. And I'm like thinking we're going to do like a light thing. He hits me like a football player. And nearly puts me on the off off the stage. We should find I, we have a video somewhere that we should find that and share it somewhere. But yeah, it's good to <laughs> see you, man. This has been amazing. Are people? Are you guys getting a lot of value out of this so far? Just type a uh, thumbs up or wave. I'm seeing lots of waves here. But yeah, it's good to see you all. You always attract the most beautiful, kind-hearted audience to every one of your events. I'm seeing just everyone here on the screen with Sheila. Good to see you, Parisa, Giselle. I see uh, Karsten. Rex, lots of good people in here. So I see a lot of Thanks, good people. brother. Yeah. And we got people uh, mostly across multiple rooms. Uh, we got people across multiple Facebook pages. So it's, it's pretty cool, man. And um, I'm just, I'm excited to catch up with you and to, you know, everyone's been bringing so much tactical wisdom, but also with the heart. Yeah, yeah of course. And that's key. I'd love to talk about 
you, you've done something very unique in the industry where you, you grabbed onto a theme and you said, I'm going to take this theme and I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to push it for years and years and years and years. Yeah. And so could you talk about like the origin of the school of greatness? Cause well, very- yeah, for, for me, it was like, I had a problem. Um, I felt like I needed to learn certain skills for myself to improve my, my life. And I wanted to have my own personal advisory board. It was back in 2007, uh, 8, and 9 when I was done with one profession playing arena football. I was trying to figure out what I do for the rest of my life. What is my mission? What is my purpose? What are my skills? Like, I'm just trying to discover who I am. I'm 24 years old. And I was like, I need a personal advisory board because in sports, I had coaches. I had my uh, wide receiver coach. I had my strength and conditioning coach. I had the head coach. I had the, the coach that would make the jokes all the time and make you feel better. Like you had different advisors who were usually people that were specialists at something that could help coach you and guide you to your goals. And so I had that in sports. And then I was like, I don't have this in the real world. You know, I've got my friends and family, but I don't have specialists who can help me get off my sister's couch, make money, all these different things, launch a business. I had no clue. So I found a personal advisory board essentially by going around on LinkedIn early on to meet the right people back in 2008, 9, 10. And I just started researching online. I started researching the people who were writing content. You were creating a lot of content then. I was watching your stuff uh, and just learning. And then as I was doing this over a few years, I was realizing, wow, all these people I've learned from, these personal advisors, these coaches, whether it was through a book, a webinar, an event, or one-on-one mentorship, they were actually giving me the tools that I needed to be successful in my personal life, health, relationships, business. And so when I had another crossroads at around 2011, I built and sold a company during that time from 2008 to 2011. And I was like, okay, this was a great starting point for me, but it's not what I want long-term. And what I really want is to kind of give people the lessons I've learned over the last four years of these personal advisors. And as opposed to me learning from them one-on-one, I want to share with people. This was pre-podcasting before it was really a thing. People didn't even know where to find a podcast in 2012. And for whatever reason, I just felt like something's moving. Like people aren't listening to radio as much. They want more on demand. Maybe this is a platform where I could do interviews and post it and people would learn from it. And if anything, I'll learn from it. I'll just create content for myself. And I remember I was just like, I'm going to do this for a year. So I created a commitment to myself. I'm going to do this for one year. I had luckily enough money where I was like, okay, I can live for a couple of years. If I don't make any money, I'm fine. So I'm going to do this for one year. I don't care if I make any money on sponsorships or if I sell anything. I just want to do this to help myself, but also to help one person, anyone that wants to listen. And I remember the first episode came out almost eight years ago. It'll be in January. It'll be eight years. Uh, I had Robert Green on episode number one. And I said, I just want one. If one person listens and this impacts them, then I'll be happy. And I kind of had that one mindset the whole year i was like okay i'm gonna do one episode try to get one person to listen and then okay let me do another episode try to get two people to listen what's that look like okay let me message two people today let me message three people and that's the mentality i had for the first year now brendan i only got seven hundred fifty thousand downloads in the whole first year of my podcast that i don't know if that sounds like a lot to people or a little but just really not that much for what people are doing can- all year and I did how people you're getting on in your market and you're exactly oh man one episode a week every week for a year seven hundred fifty thousand downloads and this is me hustling this is me like going all in every day promoting it messaging people one by one i didn't have an audience then i didn't really have an email list maybe five thousand people uh instagram maybe ten thousand followers like i wasn't a I had a personal brand within a niche of online marketing, but I didn't have a mass following. And I just said, I'm going to leverage my skill of hopefully asking good questions and making something interesting and unique enough that people had to listen to it and, and build relationships with people that I'm fascinated by who do have audiences and hopefully make it so good that I don't make it about me. I make it about them. So I made a decision personally early on to not call it the Lewis Howe show because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted to be putting the light 
like I have right here on the light wall, shining the light on the guests that I have. Nice. And because my brand at the time wasn't big enough personally, and I also didn't want to be, I personally didn't want the pressure of having to have all the answers. When, when it's your name and your show, I just feel like those are people that have like 10, 15, 20 years of credibility. You think of Dave Ramsey, you think of Tony Robbins. And I was like, I'm not at that level. I'm just trying to figure out life and I have no clue what I'm doing still. So that was for me, take the pressure off, build my personal brand through the school of greatness, through great guests, and yes. try to be better every single week. Dude, this is so key, brother. I just want to jump in real fast and make sure, sure people are locking this in because it's so easy to get stuck in the fact that you you have to be the, the genius. And I want you to hear, I often say you know, there's, there's multiple ways to be the thought leader or be the influencer. And one of them is you're really the curator. And you're the one bringing voices in your topic area to the world. Just like Nick talked about. Remember this morning about curating it through a summit he was curating it through his mode was the podcast same strategy like you can be the curator or the reporter you don't have to be the expert or the journeyman if you will the the person who has all the skill the person who's doing all of it or the person who's researched all of it you can be that reporter or that curator and by the way by doing that you become unbelievably skilled like like lewis's mastery of personal development now and his mastery of the greatness journey, it, it's unbelievable because he's listened to everybody. I mean, he's done the research. He's listened to so many hours. Like just listening to him talk, I'm like, wow, that's a guy who's listened and learned. And, he, and that wisdom came from engaging with people versus just like making stuff up. And I, I admire that about you, Lewis, because you've done it for so many years too. Where a lot of people, they come in and they have that first podcast, you know, year and they go, ah, you know, it wasn't worth it. But you kind of doubled down, even though it didn't get the initial results you wanted. Oh, hold on. I got you muted here. Sorry, I muted myself and then it said I couldn't unmute myself. <laughs> um, yeah, again, for me, I, I had a vision. I was like, I'm going to do this for one year, whether it fails or not, or if it's succeeded, I'm going to do it. And I think that's a mentality we should all think about it for going into this space. You're looking to launch something or, or create something. It's like, what would you do knowing that it'll fail? A lot of people ask, like, what would you do, like, even if it succeeds or if you don't make money, but like knowing it will fail, what would you still want to do? And for me, I was like, I just want to do this. And luckily, I had the extra time to dedicate to it. And I had some cash that I could live for a couple of years. People may not have that much time and effort, but I was like, I want to do this. I'm going to go all in this. Now is the time. It was the right time in my life, in my career. And I was just like, I'm going to do this. And it really didn't make much money the first year. But what I did is I built an incredible community of people that were like dedicated, diehard fans that I loved on, that I gave my heart and soul to for that community, that audience. And I was just like, okay, any question that came in, I was asking those questions of the 20 people that were listening it's like I was creating a show for them and I would think about them. What are their challenges? What are their pains? And how can I use their questioning, use their uh, reflection, their emails are sending me in the next interview that I do to make it so personalized that it's almost like the interviews I have, the episodes were for my audience specifically. They all felt like they were connected to it in a bigger way, which is that made them want to come back, which made them want to share it. And now almost eight years into it, I've just constantly tried to say, how can I make it better? How can I reinvent it? How can I improve it? How can I take myself out of the things that don't make sense for me to do anymore and build the team? Uh, you know, I just try to learn from guys like Brendan and uh, figure out how to, how to impact more people. So it started year one, 750,000 downloads in the whole first year. Last month, we had 6.7 million downloads in one month. Yeah. So as, as time, and that's just the audio. and the video, we had over... 6 million uh, views on YouTube and more on social media, things like that. So it's over 10 million downloads, if you want to call it, with video and audio uh, in a month. Whereas in the whole first year, it didn't even get 1 million downloads in a whole first year. So that's the power of just being consistent and living behind a vision that I've had. And I've gone into it constantly saying like, yes, I want this to succeed, but I would do this even if it failed because I'm enjoying it. 
And that's what I think about. I love it, man. I love it. And that consistency is so huge to obviously the greatness journey. Um, also, you know, it's, that's so hard for people. So hard. Like, no one wants to launch something that doesn't get results right away. No one wants yeah. to put a book out, a podcast out, a YouTube series out that gets zero listeners, zero sales. I, I understand the pain of this. I don't want that either. We all want positive feedback. No one wants negative criticism. And no one wants to create all this effort and energy to put something out there that no one cares about except for you. I get it. It's tough. How do you show up, though? I, I, like, okay, because... Anything you do for eight years or even five years, there's going to be, yeah. you know, I call them just boring days. Days where you're like, even though you might even have an amazing guest who's like famous, but you're just like, you're in yeah. that mood of like, oh my gosh, I got to do it again. You know, a lot. I've done, over a thousand, I've done over a thousand episodes now. I mean, I don't know how many interviews because we have uh, one episode a week that's more of like a short form thing. So I don't know, probably 700 interviews in the last seven and a half years, probably. And it's, it's a lot. Like yesterday, I had someone who's worth over $5 billion, John Paul DeJoria, who's on, and we had an hour and a half conversation. The day before, I have you know a doctor who we're talking for two hours. One of the hardest things is just staying present for two hours and staring someone in the eyes. Literally, being in person and staring in their eyes, because you can't disconnect with them. And so it's just being focused and present for me. And what how I stay excited still is for me... Even though I'm doing another interview, it's a different person, and I'm fascinated by people. So I love people. If I was an introvert, maybe I wouldn't love it. I'm doing something that I enjoy doing, which is connecting, being around people, and learning. And uh, I don't think I'll ever get tired of being curious. And I, I and what I get excited about is thinking, okay, there's going to be 10 million people watching or listening to this over the month. If one person is impacted in a positive way, it's worth it. So let me give my best and show up for one person. It's kind of like when Michael Jordan would say, you know, every time he went to play, there'd always be some like eight-year-old kid that would be the only time we'd watch Michael Jordan play. And he had to at least do one outstanding thing for that memory of that kid who spent 150 bucks to show up there or their dad did or whatever. And it was like, I feel like a responsibility to just continue to show up. And I'd value and until I don't, until, you know, Oprah got tired after 20 or 30 years and shifted and reinvented. But for me, it's something I still feel like I haven't fully mastered and I want to continue to dive into. And I, there's so many people that I haven't interviewed, you know, Oprah's interviewed everyone, I guess. So for me, it's like, I've got a big list of people that are on my, you know, my, my top list that I haven't interviewed yet. It's like, how do I get to be better? How do I get to be bigger and impact more people so that everyone wants to come to me. It's not even a question of if they say yes or no, it's they're all saying, pitching me all the time. Um, so I'm Love creating like my own little games and yeah. You gotta have your own, you gotta have your own target list for that. Type yeah. Of everybody like you, you gotta know, who do you want to meet? Who do you want to network with? Who do you want to learn from research interview? You gotta like that stuff keeps you going. And it yeah. sounds so simple, but this, this is someone who's been doing it for eight years. And he's saying he's still got to have that because it keeps you stretching. It keeps you yeah. striving for something. If you if you think you get successful and then you just coast, you got to keep having those next mountains that, that motivate you a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah. And you, we both we're both friends with um, Larry King, and he did over sixty thousand interviews. I mean, the man was a machine. He's still interviewing. He's still he doing scheduled it. Scheduled me for November, whatever it is, November tenth. For like, a new project. Yeah, he's still doing it. And, I was like, um, oh yeah, man. I mean, it's unbelievable. Tell yeah, us, not, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, tell us, you, you've learned so much about the, the ability to be present with people and interview them. And inevitably, you've also asked so many dang questions of, with guests that you've, you've seen and you've calibrated what types of questions get them to be vulnerable and open yeah. up and not just do the damn PR thing. Right. Tell, tell us about like great lines of questions or great ways to get them to open up because I, I really feel like you get right to their heart sometimes. Yeah. You just feel it. Well, I'll just say I, I, in 2008 and 2009, I did 20 networking events around the country using LinkedIn as a platform to promote these events in person. And I learned a lot about people by hosting these networking events. And I, I would stand at the door and greet every person as they came in. So it was probably 300 to 500 people that showed up to each one of these events all around the country. And I just learned a lot about people and I would watch and observe 
how people would interact with each other when they would say, hey, my name's so-and-so, I work here, what do you do? It was kind of like the same thing I would see over and over again. How many of you just nod when you meet someone, they ask you, what do you do in the first couple of questions? Just go ahead and nod if that's, if that's you. Um, and if you're not listening at all, nod so I can see who's listening. Um, what I realized is like, that's not interesting. And I, I never felt comfortable being in a room of older people when I was 24. I was hosting these events and I was usually the youngest person there. I was 24. And I never felt smart. I never felt uh, experienced enough. I never felt like I was in the right place. I felt like an imposter, even though I was hosting these events, but everyone's an older professional. And what I realized is I had to learn how to become interesting, but I didn't have anything interesting about me that I felt like I could share or any experience. So what I started doing was just asking interesting questions. And I would go through a whole night of events and just sit and listen to people and ask them questions. And at the end of a three-hour event, they would be going up to their friends and saying, Lewis is one of the most interesting, fascinating people I've ever met in my life. And I literally told them nothing about myself. <laughs> nothing. And what I learned later is that the most interested person becomes the most interesting person in any room. The more fascinated you are about someone else. And there's two simple questions that I like to ask everyone when I'm meeting them, whether it's in person or an interview or anything. So I would just use these questions for yourself, whether you want to write them down or remember them. They're very simple, very basic questions. You've probably been asked them before. But for whatever reason, when I ask this question, people stop, they think, and they go from their head to their heart right away. The first one is, what are you most grateful for in this moment? And when I ask that question to anyone, they usually have to, they, you'll look up, you'll, you think for a moment and then you connect down to your heart right away and you say, oh, I'm really grateful for my kid who's in class right now, who is struggling, but then had this breakthrough. I'm really grateful for my health right now. I'm grateful for my mom that she's still a lot. Like you connect your head to your heart quickly. And that brings you to a place of an emotional connection. Then the second thing I ask is that's amazing. What are you most excited about in your life right now? When you ask that, again, you take someone from their head down to their heart and they start to light up. You know, you see Brandon, when he's talking about what he's excited about, he's like, yeah, well, I'm so excited about this. And, then, and it's like you get someone to light up about their life. It's so they're going to remember you with the feeling of excitement and gratitude. And they're going to appreciate you for just letting them reflect on two powerful emotions, gratitude and excitement, something they're excited and passionate about. When you do that, the conversation will unfold and you have an instant connection and you can find other ways to connect with people. So I do that in my interviews. I do that when I just meet strangers on the street because I'm always trying to create that interesting moment where they remember me and they want to talk about me or my show or the experience they had to all their friends, to their audience, to whatever it may be. And the deeper I create a relationship with someone, the more they'll spread the message of the interview, which will bring back the audience to my show and help impact more people, which is my mission. And so I'm just so focused on thinking about and being an active listener after those two questions. Okay, what is it they're really missing? What is it that no one ever asked them? What is it that will continue to light them up when they talk about it? And that's something I try to focus on is just dive into the heart of people. And that took, you know, years of figuring it out the wrong way of saying, what do you do? And what do you do for a living? And uh, and so just don't ask those questions until yeah. a much later time. But I also love that, you know, the, the, the hint there that we've had a theme going over throughout here is you're asking about gratitude and enthusiasm and excitement. These are, again, feelings, y'all. Yeah. It's like every speaker has been talking about in some way or another. It's like you, you've got to tap into the feeling of the person you're with or the people you're speaking to. And when you do that, things, you know, magical things happen. I think mm -hmm. I, I saw some people posting about this and asking Lewis, um, when they when they hear of like the school of greatness and all these millions of downloads, they're like, but how how does it work as a business? Because people yeah. they they really struggle because they're like, okay, I can interview people and and I, I don't understand it. And sure. so I'll break it down. You want to hear my business model? Yeah, yeah. People love it. Before I break that down, uh, I want everyone to type in just a quick sentence of what you're most grateful for. And see what opens up for you. So everyone type in really quickly, what are you most grateful? Whether it be today, this moment, you know, it could be Brendan, it could be your learning uh, from this incredible event. Just whatever it is, something you're grateful for in your life right now, just go ahead and type that in. I'm seeing a lot of people, my kids, being able to serve, 
uh, having love, harmony in my life, uh, creativity, listening to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I woke up with my, my cat. Amazing. So my blanket, simple things, again, connect us from our brain to our, our heart. And I would just say, type in really quick, what are you most passionate and excited about as well? And just type that in really quickly before I break down my, my business model. Um, helping people with cancer. I'm grateful to be alive. Serving others. My dream project. Someone type capital dream. So when people, when you ask what you're excited about, people go into their dreams and they get out of their head of like, oh, this is what I'm doing today and this is what's happening and I'm fine and here's where I work. And these things are boring and no one remembers boring. They remember what is your dream? What are you excited about? Even if you never do it, just talking about it lights you up. Uh, so that's why it's important for us to evoke that out of other people. Whether it be your friends and family, your audience of 10, of 10 million, it doesn't matter. Evoke that out of other people. Uh, my book, Spreading um, Energy Healing Method, great. So you guys, you light up about these things. So the model is this. So I used to do, I don't know, I've probably done like 12 or 13 different courses over the last 10 years. I kind of got started doing a LinkedIn training course. That evolved into other types of online marketing courses. Um, I did a webinar course for many, many years that was extremely successful. And I've had different digital products from $10 to $2,000. I've had a mastermind for many years, uh, for the last three years that I paused actually right in January, which was probably the best thing ever. Uh, that was that was a forty. $45,000 ticket last year, and we were going to be bumping to 100000 this year. But I decided to put it on pause to go all in on scalable things because at that point, I didn't, I didn't see how it was scalable and it was taking a lot of my time. I loved it. I loved helping seven figure entrepreneurs grow, and it was fun, it was exciting, but it wasn't something that was able to scale. And my mission is to serve 100 million people a week. So if my mission is to serve 100 million people a week, there's really only a couple ways you can do that. And you need video for that. You need, um, you need content that has the potential to reach the masses and be shared and spreadable. So that's written content, video, and audio content is, is the mission. How do I maximize those things? So I was spending a lot of my time on a mastermind that made a lot of money, but it wasn't reaching the goal fast enough that I would like. So I said, I'm going to put that on pause. And I'm also going to put, for now, courses on pause. So I used to do launches a bunch, again, great money, but I felt like I was a little scattered doing too many things. And so I said, let me, you know, try to live in the world of essentialism, the book, if you haven't read it, try to do that a little bit, but I'm a creative and I want to launch stuff. I'm like, Brendan, I'm like, I like this idea and that idea. So it's going to be hard for me to fully do that. But I said, let me try to focus for a little while, go all in on the podcast. Now I have sponsorship dollars there that come in from audio, right? And that's doing extremely well. That's a multiple seven-figure revenue stream just on the audio sponsorships. And I have an ad sales team that I partner with that's not in-house at a bigger network that sells all the ads for me. And I just focus on doing my craft and building the show. Nice. Then something interesting happened, Brandon, in January. I had been doing five years of YouTube content, recording videos, but allowing no ads to be run on them. And um, I didn't want other I didn't I didn't want other people to be able to put Lamborghinis in front of my videos to sell their programs. Yeah. I was like, no, I just want to give away free content, serve people and just add value. Um then I turned on ads in January because I was like every video I see now has an ad in the beginning or in the middle. Like this is just YouTube practice now. Like it's almost like I wonder if I was hurting myself by not having ads turned on because YouTube wants to push more of those videos where they can make money. So I was probably, I was like, I'm doing a disservice if less people are able to see these. But yes. turned it on and I realized, wow, this is a, this is a, I probably lost a million dollars. So I threw up right away when I realized how much money I lost. <laughs> I in the last did the same. <laughs> and um, I mean, this year alone, let me just pull up the stats. Like this month, it's uh, $74,600 and 60. $668.99 in ad revenue just this month. That's just from YouTube. And I'm already making the content that I just didn't have the ads turned on. And so now it's like, okay, here's another seven-figure revenue stream that I wasn't even aware of. Um, let me go all in on video and build a team around this. 
and creating, a, you know, I'm taking the Evan Carmichael route. It's like I created a second channel that's now making five grand a month from just short clips. So it's figuring out just the whole media game. I said, I am a media business now. I'm not a course business anymore. I'm not a mastermind business anymore. I'm not an events business. I am a media business first. So what does that look like building a team to build media? And the, the beautiful thing is when, when you figure out the media and you control the audience and you don't have to rely on ads, we still spend ads every day for our webinars and different offerings for our membership site, which Brendan pushed me four years ago on launching or three and a half years ago on launching. Um, so I have our media business, which has essentially two revenue streams from the video and the audio there. Uh, and then I have our membership uh, site as well, which is $99 a month. And so our media, we're able to drive people over there for free, right? We have our email list. We have our social media. We have our audio, video. We can drive people over there for free as opposed to relying only on paid ads. I do both. And those are the only really three revenue streams I have right now because I cut out a lot of other things. I do speaking. I've got books. I've got these other things that make money, affiliate commissions, all that stuff. But it's more ancillary money that comes in. It's not a main focus. I have strategic partnerships, all those things. But it's really kind of three things, the YouTube side of things, the audio side of things, the membership side of things. We're launching a, a coaching program that'll be a $10,000 a year coaching program or something that I can scale. I've been building the playbook for six months. We'll have coaches, so it won't be reliant on me because I need to focus on the main thing. So I'll really have media, membership, and then coaching, which are all recurring revenue streams that are all scalable now. Because I don't want to be reliant on something that's not scalable anymore. And I'm transitioning from outside of lewishouse.com to moving things over to greatness.com where I can build a bigger brand that isn't reliant on me, where I can still be the face and the head, pushing and driving it, but have something that's more sellable if I wanted to in 5, 10, 20 years. So that's kind of the model right now is to try to do less launches, less products, uh, and more recurring revenue streams focusing on those things but that's that's just kind of where i'm at but i've got give lewis a round of applause by the thank way you, thank that you. was like a that was gold but gold. i'm but I, thank lewis down below give him some gratitude <laughs> in the chat but also where you're at on facebook watching us and participating in our facebook groups all around the world because dude that's just so helpful to hear you think through that yeah. Well, here's the thing. I felt like I had to do everything to figure out what I didn't want to do anymore. Like I yeah. did a, I did a ton of launches. I did free book giveaways. I've done uh, guides. I've done events. I've done masterminds. I've done uh, all these memberships. I've tried it all. And I think I needed to try it all to see yeah. what, I, what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, and it's just trying to get cleaner and cleaner in the processes, in the products, uh, with my team, and s building something that I could potentially exit if I wanted to. Something yeah. that's every arm of the business is scalable. Uh, every arm, and the only thing that really relies on me is right now the, the content for the interviews. But it's kind of like I, I look at Dave Ramsey model, I look at Oprah model, like they've been able to replace themselves as talent, whether it be creating shows or creating other talent to be able to build audience and their own internal network to push their products, advertising, things like that. So it's just trying to think long-term while also making short-term decisions to grow everything. And I want to, y'all hear this, he's like he's also finding what he loves in it because he's done everything else. And he's thinking two ways. He's thinking of like, what do I love to do? Like, what am I passionate about? Like, I really love interviewing. I love learning from people. But he's thinking about that long-term game of creating an asset, a company that can thrive, run, or scale without his direct involvement. And that was my concern too, buddy, because it was like when I came in the industry, I mean, people were having to be out on speaking, you know, be out on speaking tours and doing bookings until they were in their 90s. But now people can't speak on tour anymore. Yeah. So many of our not. friends, so many of our friends are, have been scrambling. I'm sure they've all been calling you like they've been calling <laughs> yeah. me. People are making seven figures a year on the speaking tour that have no assets, that have no email list, that have no programs. And you're yeah. just like, they are literally on the phone all summer, just ringing, ringing, ringing and people doing that because they're like, Oh, I, I thought this. And that's why I kept coming back to having some kind of recurring revenue every month from your content 
is so critical if the deals stop, if the popularity stop, if the bookings stop, uh-huh. you still have a membership of people you're adding value to is so huge. But also when I got into this, you know, and for me, I was like all in in, in 2006 and seven. I really, I saw them doing that. I thought, well, I want to build a business too yeah. that I could sell one day. Even though, like, I haven't chosen to take investment in our or a core business, I've built other arms of the business or other investments in the business that we have sold or taken investment in. And that's because I built them from day one of how can this curriculum be delivered by other people? Mm-hmm. So if you've ever been in my seminars, 100% of my implementation seminars can be taught by other people, even though I still do them. But we built the tools and the resources so that other people can teach them. <clears throat> Um, you know, I'm building a software out right now that we can have other voices on. That's not just me. Uh, you know, we've, we've really focused on, can we build assets that could be sold later or take investment if I didn't want to do it? Um, I wanted to bring back you to a point that I just, one of my favorite things, memories of you, outside of you knocking me off my stage, um, (laughs) (laughs) was two, two, two things. I was so amazing. You, you, you. I think it was Experts Academy or, or Influence or something you came to. And here Lewis is, who is literally known worldwide. Tens of millions of downloads of the School of Greatness podcast. And you looked the audience in the eye and you said, I don't think most of you should do a podcast. Right. It was amazing. People were like, whoa, uh, maybe take us back to that moment or that, 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 that rationale. Because I think it was so, so many people... All they can do is beat their own drum. Yeah. And Here's you are willing to say, this yeah. is hard, guys. It's really hard. I mean, I get messages every day from people saying, hey, can you give me advice on what's the best way to launch a podcast? How do you grow a podcast? All these things. How do you make money with a podcast? Like, um, Here's something. I want to answer that in two ways. I think you really need to know yourself and what you want and what it lights you up. You need to think of long term. Is this something I'd be excited to do for two to three years, even if no one listened? Would I be excited to write the book for two or three years, even if no one read it? It's like, it's got to light you for me. My perspective has got to light me up, even if no one else cares for a couple of years, because it's going to take a couple of years to really kind of figure out what you're doing. Like Brandon, you your first book. You weren't really a pro at the first book. It took a couple of launches to you're like, oh, now I know how to launch the number one New York Times bestseller. It's not like the first one's a massive hit. Sometimes it is for people, but it's usually they've had 10 years of training and experience leading up to that when they built an audience to really do that. For a lot of people who are starting out, I think you got to know what you're really excited about. For me, I love interviewing people, whether they're being recorded or not. I just wanted to sit down and ask people questions. And I was like, I could do this for a long time, my whole life. If you pay me money my whole life, I'll do this forever, right? I can just sit down and have a conversation and make money. Like, sweet, let's do it. And if I can help people, cool. And that's what I learned about myself. I know what I am. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. This is what I enjoy, and I get excited about it. Something I've been thinking about a lot more lately is IP and building IP out, something that is really makes you unique and different. I mean, what is it like John Maxwell's got a thing? I think it's called Five Levels of Leadership or something. And it's literally a, a little graph. I think it's John Maxwell or someone like that. It's like a little graph. It's like called the Five Levels of Leadership. And it's just five principles. Oh, Jim Collins, good to great. Yeah. Maybe it's Jim Collins, someone like that, right? Yeah. And it's just like, it's a one little image that is a simple image of five words that has a sentence after each word that has been designed in a certain way, structured in a certain way, processed in a certain way and from that you can write a book you can do a podcast you can do a course you can do a seminar series you can do a certificate series a coaching series like you can build whatever you want based on a simple piece of ip and i wish i would have done this eight ten years ago is develop ip first and then say, okay, how do I want to deliver this IP? Do I want it to be through a podcast? What's the medium I want to execute this IP from? So figuring out what is your IP. I saw someone type in something about like some specific healing method they had. It's like, okay, that's a piece of IP. Yeah. What is that framework? And this is something I learned from Brendan every time I go to one of his events. He's the master of frameworks. When you can create a framework around a simple concept and your IP doesn't have to be this elaborate, unbelievable, unique idea. It's actually like the more simple, the better. Yes. And 
It's like the miracle morning. What's the framework? It's like five things. And here's a million books sold from like a simple framework. That's a process. So figure out what is the IP you're building. Then you can deliver, you can say, who am I? What's the medium? You know, Brandon loves to write. He's a writer. He's a teacher. So he teaches courses, videos, writing seminars. That's what he does. Cause he's great at that. Figure out what is your medium that you want to execute this. But I think start with an IP if you can. I, I wasn't sophisticated enough eight years ago. I was just like, let me just sit down and interview people and figure this out as I go. But if you are, I feel like everyone here is smarter than me. And, it, and if it doesn't take you eight years like I did of just creating and being a bulldog and just like taking action, I kind of built it as I go. But I built the brand, which is IP. But it's like if you can build the IP first, I don't know, Brendan, if you have a training on that happening during this summit, but I think even, yeah. you that, even you during a solo session at some point, I think of like how to build a framework that could be could potentially be IP and then boom, here's a multi seven figure business based on the medium you want to take it in. I don't know if you guys would want to learn that from Brendan, go and type in yes. And maybe, maybe they do. I'll maybe do it. I got a solo round um, coming up, I think tomorrow or the next day. I'll make sure I do that. And we taught that at Experts Academy from day one because that's what I, I learned that from Stephen Covey. Yes. Who did the seven um, habits of highly effective people. Look at that. It's seven habits. It's like, okay, it's it a was. boom, a seminar, I, yeah. coaching, I, and boom. Because I, I left college, I, I joined Accenture, and the first week they taught us the seven habits. And it wasn't Stephen Covey, it was some trainer who was teaching right. from his IP, from his framework. That's and then we got tools related to the framework. And I was like, and so I wrote the student leadership guide mm. and built my first framework. And we built out what are called instructional guides for colleges and universities to roll out. And that was my first big win because I've got trained still to this day, trainers all around the world teach from the student leadership guide and that instructor guide that I wrote when I was 20 because I was copying. I was like, Oh, Stephen Covey. That's what he did. Let me do this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's so important. I, I, I think, I, I think people don't need more strategies on and, and more content necessarily of how to do things. They need to get clear on their IP Yes. So that then they can execute based on whatever strategies on how to launch a podcast. But like most people don't have clarity on what they want. They're just like, I want to launch a podcast and I like this thing and it seems like it'd be fun. I want to write a book because it seems like it'd be fun. I want to do a course around this thing. But figuring out the, the, the IP and the framework first will give you so – will save you so many years of your life from just, oh, I'm going to try this like I did. I tried everything. And I don't say it's a waste because I learned so much on wh what I can create now. And I have a lot of value now to, to give to people. But it was like I could have been a lot bigger, a lot faster if I would have had some simple IP that I built everything around. I look at Dave Ramsey. When I look at him, it's like, what is it, six steps to getting out of debt or something? It's like his six, six step, six rules to, yeah. I don't know. What is it? Someone, someone like type that. it in here. But, dude, this is gold. I hope you all are writing this. This is so golden. Debt snowball, debt snowball, baby steps, seven baby steps. It's like he's built a on a multi hundred million dollar business off of seven baby step snowball. That's it. Yeah. Then you figure out the medium. Okay, let me create a publishing company. Let me do radio. Let me, but figure out the simple IP first. Then you explode it. Yeah, and then realize too you are going to have multiple pieces of that. So, for example, for me. And it might be for different demographics. Like I've got that framework, you know, worth sevens, multiple seven figures for student leaders. But I also right. have the same framework for high performers in the corporate world. And that same framework for many of you who are in my, you know, my coaching programs where it's really based on the framework from high performance habits. And so you take the frameworks that you have and you deliver them to your audiences. And then at some point, like Lewis is doing, like I've done Jay's done, and, and a lot of people in the industry, you ultimately build a, a certification program where other people can train from that framework that's not you. And what's beautiful is they pay for the training or for the certification, and then they go and share that same framework, and maybe they earn from it, or they're just the ripple effect of it. And so you're able to reach so many more people because it's not just you. You're teaching and training and certifying other people to right. roll out your framework, and that's how uh, – I'll give you guys an example. Another one I learned from was um, Purpose Driven Life. 
he you know had his 40 day sermons and he gave that as a framework out to 25,000 churches around the world and that's how Rick Warren created the best selling nonfiction book in the history of the world crazy he had the framework 40 day framework he taught and certified other coaches and coaches sorry pastors <laughs> how to roll that out of their churches and it became the biggest thing ever and because he didn't think he had to go visit all 25,000 churches. Instead, he certified them to have the conversations, which is huge. And yeah. in, in more modern day, you also saw, um, let's see, you saw uh, lean-in circles also do that. So it's like this idea of you create a framework, you let it roll out, you teach and certify other people to do it. That's so huge. Yeah, I, I just think that's, I, I just think that's a, yeah, we'll switch gears, but I just to follow up there, I think it's important because... I know you see this, Brendan. I see this all the time. People message me. I just feel like people are scrambling too much in the online world. They're scrambling in social media. They're scrambling. I got to do a book. I got to do a podcast. I got to create video content. I got to create this social media thing because this person's saying to do this. No, figure out your framework and your IP or at least like what you think it could be. Like get started there. You can always evolve it and change it as you go, but start with that. Then, okay, there's a purpose for why you're on social media. There's a purpose for why you're building your email list. There's a purpose why you launch a podcast. It's all built on the framework and the IP so that they all work in unison. And I think if I could go back eight years, I would do that first. I'd figure out what is my framework? What is the, the method? What is the philosophy? And build from that beginning. It'd be 100 times bigger if I did that. I I think. that. Would you all give Lewis a round of applause in this here? And share this post wherever you're watching it, out far and wide. Invite people to influencersummit.com. Tell them, listen. Is this these free? These guys are dropping bombs. They're dropping gold. Is this, is this free, Brendan? This is free, homie. Man, you guys are getting some value all day, the last couple of days. You got to share this out. Dude, this is free. This is free. And this Zoom group you're in here right now, and then there's multiple of these other groups, and then we're broadcasting into a Facebook group. Dang. Like, literally, like, like, <laughs> 40-some thousand people into uh, our, our Facebook group that just joins on Sunday because wow. this is value. People are like, they're just dropping bombs of gold for Amazing. free. So please share it. Hashtag Influencer Summit out there. Yeah, share that out. Picture, make sure, take a picture of Lewis right now and put that out on Instagram <laughs> with at Lewis House and at or, and, and hashtag Influencer Summit so people see he's dropping some gold. Um I want, you know, I one thing I want to talk with you about because I just feel like, bring it, you, you're, bring you're it. Better. You're so good at this, and 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 you gave me good, great constructive criticism on this before, um, and that is just this idea of vulnerability and just Ooh. sharing stuff, um, you know, because if you guys don't know, Lewis talks about and wrote a great book about sort of the mass of masculinity and the, the, this 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 mask we all put on to protect ourselves or to portray ourselves in a certain way and learning to deconstruct the barrier between us and other people is a lifelong art and it's hard and so could you just jam on that a little bit because you taught me a lot about that i'll tell you what um yeah i mean probably just like any i want to generalize it but if i'm generalizing it like most 20 year old men uh, in their 20s trying to figure themselves out in life it's some posturing some ego unless you've been extremely evolved that I was not at that time in my 20s uh, I led with a lot of false um, I guess identities of what I wanted people to see me as and I hid a lot of things uh, a lot of things I was shameful for and when I hit 30 something woke me up um, a number of events that just weren't going in my favor woke me up and I was like what's wrong with my life and I started to do the deeper work and it was like, once I started to take action on saying, you know what, I'm going to be completely vulnerable with my shame, my insecurities, with everything from the people I meet, inappropriate timing and in the right setting and everything. It's like when I started to do that, it gave me a sense of freedom I never had in my life, but it also had a deeper bond and connection. It's like that's when everything really started to take off. It's like when people could see that I was 100% authentic, not perfect, but authentic, um, they started to follow more. They started to subscribe more. They bought more. Like all those things were a byproduct, I guess, of just being real and authentic. When I'd interview people, I was like, the only way to get this billionaire to open up is if I open up first. So leaning with invulnerability has been kind of my go-to 
not as a strategy, but just as like, it brings me more peace in my heart when I don't feel like I have to protect anything or hide something or put up a shield when I can just fully be myself. It's allowed me to really, to grow. And it's funny, I was just interviewing this amazing uh, doctor, Dr. Peter Atia, who's yeah. really, um, really fascinating and kind of in this space. It's interesting. He was talking about extending life, lifespan. is what he's known for is like how to extend your life. And he said there's two components to, to, to life. There's health span and then there's lifespan. The health span is the quality of the life, the, the quality of your life in the years you have, because you don't want to get sick at 70 and suffer for 30 years and die at a hundred. He's like, that's not the, that's not a quality of health span. You want to have, you want to live a long time and then you want to die pretty quickly and not suffer that long. You know, you want to be a hundred, 105 and then die quick. Essentially is what he said is the ultimate way to go. Um, and he said that there are three ways, essentially three elements to quality of life and length of life. And that's cognitive health, physical health, and then emotional resilience. And he said, I will treat patients who will do everything I tell them on what to eat, on how to sleep, on working out. And they, some of them won't get results at all, very little. And then when they do the third step, the emotional side of things, they get incredible. The weight falls off. Everything is like transforms. They have joy. What advice you would give to someone just starting out, just getting into the game, just trying to put themselves out there, just trying to go. And then separately, I'll ask you too, what about those people who are at your level or at somewhere in our level where they're like, you know, they're, they're about to scale. So start advice and then scale advice starting out yeah i mean i'll say three things the first thing i said was like figure out a method a model some ip this could be three steps to something seven key seven habits of highly effective whatever emotional leaders it can be whatever you want it to be figure out some type of framework and model early on that'd be number one and then two and three would be um i have four i have four keys that'll be the first one two and three would be to Give yourself a impact goal of how many people you would like to impact with your message. You know, if you're going to be a part of Influencer Summit and you want to be in this world, then you're going to be influencing people with something you're creating. And I would truly think about how many people do I want to impact and what is my mission? So my mission is very clear. And I made this mission seven years ago that the mission is to serve 100 million people weekly to help them improve their life. And I figure out the mediums of how to do that later, but the mission is clear. And once I'm clear on the impact mission, then I can figure out the method and medium of what's it going to take to make that possible. Uh, so I'm just clear on an impact number. because so it gives me something to measure. The third thing would be to come up with an income goal. For me, again, if we're building businesses here, there needs to be some type of metric financially where you can reach towards. And so I think of an income goal, whether it be monthly, whether it be six months, whether it be a year. For me, that's what keeps me focused on being able to run a business and not just having it as a side hobby passion of just like, okay, I want to serve the world. Um, and I think it's important if we're going to be running a business to be thinking about that as well. But it's not the first thing. Um, and then the fourth thing, this may be counterproductive, but to create a health and wellness mission for yourself. Identity, I'd really call it. Yesterday, I ran 10 miles for the first time uh, wow. ever. Good job, brother. Thank you. My wow. Knee's little, my knee's a little sore today, but I ran 10 <laughs> miles for the first time because the day before... I committed to doing a marathon in March of next year for the first time. I've always been afraid of marathons. I'm a, I call myself a sprinter. I only do three miles max. <laughs> I, I was a track athlete, a cathlete. Right? I'm like, I'll do a 400 meter. I'll do a three miler. That's my long run. Yeah. And, and I had to shift. Literally in one day, I committed to doing the marathon, terrified of running distance, don't like it, hurts, painful, my chest, my ribs, the breathe, everything. It's like I'm a big guy. I'm the Clydesdale. I'm 230 pounds, 6'4". <laughs> so it's, I'm not built for endurance and running, right? I'm built for speed. And I shifted my mind and said, 
I am a marathon runner. I, my identity is a distance machine. Now, I'm not a sprinting machine. I'm a distance runner. And I tell you what, I finished the last two miles stronger than the first eight miles. And I, it's because I flipped the identity in my mind. And I said, I am stepping into the marathon. And I did 10 miles, which is more than I'd ever done. Because I was like, I'm going to do something I've never done to kickstart this journey. Love this. Even if I'm not prepared. Even though I haven't done a five-miler in, I don't know, six months. And uh, I'm just going to do it and commit to it mentally. So I think having a wellness identity, a fitness identity that is non-negotiable. When all, all my mastermind members in the past... They were crushing it, making money, making seven figures, eight figures, crushing it. But a lot of them didn't have the wellness balance. And it's very easy to schedule five hours a week to commit to your fitness identity. And it only takes five hours, an hour a day, five days a week. It doesn't take 50 hours, people. It's like one hour a day, two hours a day. If you want to do 10 hours a week, Max, that's great. 10 hours. Can you love yourself enough to give yourself five to 10 hours a week to shift your identity of wellness? Because when we have the energy, I don't know if you've ever read the, the book, The Power of Full Engagement, Brendan. It's a really powerful book. Yes. That talks all about energy. And if you want to scale your influence, if you want to scale your business, your audience, your reach, you need the energy. This is why Tony Robbins talks about this all day long, about having the ability, a strong body. Uh, so for me, that would be the fourth thing, is Love to start that. off scheduling in time of the day, because if you don't schedule, it's not going to happen, and creating an identity around your fitness. I love it, brother. I love it. It's, 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 it's everything we learned in, in high performance, too. You, if you, yes. There is no high performance without wellness and positive relationships. You have to have both to be able to endure. It's, it's, it's everything. Exactly. exactly. Um, what about that person scaling? Let's say they hit seven figures, eight figures. They're like, they feel like they're smashing it. They're well beyond, you know, where they thought they were. But now they're like, okay, I really need, I want to be able to reach a hundred million people. I want yeah. to be able to skip. Like, what do they have to start considering? Maybe you don't have the exact answer for them, but like, yeah. what should they be thinking about? For me, it's all, I, I go back to the personal advisory boards. It's something I did early on. And yesterday I was on the phone with a guy who's, just sold a company for $1.5 billion after I interviewed uh, John Paul DeGioia, who's worth five-point-something billion. He's also owner of Paul Mitchell and Patron uh, Alcohol. And I connect with them, and I, and I ask them, hey, can you help me break down my business model and see what am I missing? And people who have $100 million, a billion, they just think in a different way than someone who's uh, in the millions, and so I just like, I find the coaches, the mentors, the personal advisors who have already done it and try to say, okay, what can I do to really get there faster? And for me, it's just about having the right knowledge and the right relationships on that front um, or reading right the, the right books. If you don't have that, there's many other books that probably share the same thing, but I'm more of a relationship guy. So that's what I do is find your personal advisory board. Join a, join Brendan's mastermind where he's teaching this, like, invest in it because that's the way you'll get there faster my man lewis house for dropping bombs and gold just up in here dude i'm telling you this is so good man i appreciate mean, it i'm I, I mean this is re these are my notes already i i'm gonna watch this one like three or four times this is so good and you say that you say that to everyone on here I don't. It, I don't think I, it's the first one I said I'm going to re-listen to. So <laughs> I got to give you a little special love, you know, because uh, my brother. I'll, I'll share one final thing, unless you got someone else coming on right now. Uh, uh, we do. We, you can do it quick. I'll we share can, this at 60 seconds. Our friends, hey, Tom and Lisa are on oh, next. Amazing. They're amazing. They should. They need to get take out 10 minutes of my time. Take 10 minutes back from me and give it to them because they're way smarter than me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say... Uh, the final thing I would think about is like, what is going to be your unique branding? I've been really key on, I know that I'm not smarter than everyone in my space. I know that people are more talented. They're smarter. Uh, they, they're better with money. They, all these things. Like I am not, I don't have those skills. Just like when I played football, I knew that I wasn't the fastest, biggest or strongest. I was able to differentiate myself to be valuable for my position and that was through my vision. And so with my my brand, I've just been really focused on how do I create great branding? How do I stand out and be different? Not better, 
different so that I can attract my audience. The audience is interested in that type of brand. And I think about what is the brand you're going to build for yourself that makes you different, that just makes you stand out in a unique way and lean into it. The more you lean into it, and I think Tom and Lisa have probably done some of the best job at building their brands and leaning into exactly who they are unapologetically in the forms of their content, in the forms of their written message, in the terms of their videos. They don't care what people think about them. They lean into it and they love themselves more and more for being themselves and by that energy that attracts a bigger and bigger audience. That's why they're some of the biggest in the world of what they do. That's why they've been able to exit a multi-billion dollar brand and launch one faster than probably anyone else with with the brands they're building now. So 